Welcome to the Jesus Image Podcast. This is a message I've had on my heart. Um, Gosh, I feel like I've been downloading this message for a few months now. And when Michael said, you know, I think you need to preach tonight, I thought, okay, I, I feel like this is what God has been speaking to my heart. And it's about touching the glory. And I might get emotional because um, I have seen people do that. And it's a great fear of mine to never do it. And you might say, Jess, that's too intense, but I have seen people be trusted with the glory of God and they've merchandised it. And I've seen the cost of giving Jesus your everything. And I've seen it taken from people so quickly before they even know it's gone. Because sometimes you can still operate in the gifting, but the glory of God has departed. And it's a very sobering thing when that's happened. I've been in environments where I go, it's not the same. Yeah, maybe the crowds are still here. Maybe the views are there but it's not the same. What is it? It's that the glory has departed. And I pray that we are never a church or a people where that is ever said about us. And when I say it's a fear, I don't mean that in a bad way, but I'm just so aware that it has nothing to do with us. And I hope that you're aware it has nothing to do with you. It's his glory and his alone. And when we were singing awake, our soul, as all of you guys were jumping like crazy people, I just couldn't help but cry because that song, the first year class knows, now we're going into our fifth year of sixth year, wow, of Jesus school, I can't believe it. And um, we used to sing that song in a little fellowship hall with just 70 people and to see what God has done now as we sing that song tonight with Janae and Aaron who were part of the original team, it just blows my mind. Sometimes I look around and I go, how did we get here? And I'm really aware that it's not us. And I pray the moment I ever think it is that the Lord would rebuke me. It's okay to get rebuked in this generation, okay? It's okay to have fear of the Lord. I pray that the fear of the Lord comes back into the church. Because I never want to quench his beautiful presence. It means everything to me. It's why I'm alive. It's who I am. It's all I know. It's all my family. I want the the foundation of my family to be built on him and him alone. And without it, we become employees. And I don't want to be an employee of Jesus. He doesn't need any employees. He needs laid down lovers, yielded vessels, people that know that it's his presence. Tuck my shoelace in there so I don't trip. That was good timing. Okay, there you go. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 4. One through three. I'm going to read a lot of scripture tonight, but it's really vital that we get this, okay? It's really vital we get this because God is moving on our church, and I believe that greater days are ahead. Do you? I believe it with all of my heart. I don't think we've even tasted the beginning of what God wants to do here. And that's not just for Jesus' image, that's for anyone that's hungry. Are you hungry? Oh, come on, that was weak. Are you hungry? So anyone that hungers after the Lord, he will fill that hunger. It's his promise to. 
So 1 Samuel, I'm going to read 4, 1 through 3, 5 through 11. I'm going to skip around some parts. It says, And Samuel's words went out to all the people of Israel. At that time, Israel was at war with the Philistines. The Philistines attacked and defeated the army of Israel, killing 4,000 men. After the battle was over, the troops retreated to the camp, and the elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Listen to this. Then they said, Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. If we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. When all the Israelites saw the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord coming into the camp, their shout of joy was so loud it made the ground shake. What's going on, the Philistines asked. What's all the shouting about in the Hebrew camp? When they were told it was because the ark of the Lord had arrived, they panicked. The gods have come into their camp, they cried. This is a disaster. We have never had to face anything like this before. Help, who can save us from these mighty gods of Israel? They are the same gods who destroyed the Egyptians with plagues when Israel was in the wilderness, Fight as never before. If we don't, we will become the Hebrew slaves. Stand up like men and fight. So the Philistines fought desperately and Israel was defeated again. The slaughter was great. 30,000 Israelite soldiers died that day. The survivors turned and fled to their tents. The ark of God was captured and the two sons of Eli were killed. All right, there's many things to unpack with that. But here you see a people going, we know what to do. We will use the Lord for our protection. We will use him for our protection, a people that really didn't know him. Because if they did, they would never take advantage of that beautiful presence. And God was judging them. Why? Because they treated the presence of God as common. And that's something I pray we never do here. Never treat the presence of God as common. Don't come in here every week going, great, another day in the house of God. You have to come in here with an open heart going, I get to come into the house of God today. I get to worship with his children. I get to see people get saved and healed and set free from a bondage. If you get healed from a fever, it's a good day. It is. And sometimes we act these, we, we measure the things that the Lord does and go, oh, yeah, that's great. I've seen that before. The moment we start acting like adults and not children, we're going to lose the presence of the Lord. And I'm preaching to myself, you guys. This is, I'm preaching to me probably more than anybody in this room because I have seen a lot and I have tasted a lot and I have been exposed to the glory of God that it has marked me forever but I never, ever want to treat it as common. And I think that that is part of the reason why the Lord is trusting this house right now. Because Michael and I are very aware that it has nothing to do with us. Yes, we're yielded. Yes, we, we go after the Lord, but he's the one that builds this house. We don't, we can't do this on our best day. I remember once in an event, there were tens of thousands of people and Michael was preaching it with a group of other people and I was in the background crying and someone came up to me, I've shared this story before I think with a school and they said, I can't believe you're crying. This is nothing, you've seen millions of people before. Why are you crying over just a couple, tens of thousands of people? And I looked at that person and I said, may I never get used to this? 
May I always cry if I see five people come down to the altar or one person come down to the altar. And I thought in my heart, you've become so jaded. You've become so used to the crowds that you forget about the one. And that's the dangerous trap. This is for my people, people in ministry and leaders. The danger is getting caught up in the people and the metrics and the numbers and forgetting about the one person that God is touching. It's a trap. It's a trap and don't do it. Steve Brock, who used to sing for my daddy, told us that early on because we would see hundreds of thousands, millions of people. We were there in India when millions of people attended that event. And he said, never see the people, see the one. Always see the one. And that stuck with me forever. And here you see a people that thought, we're in trouble. We know what to do. The ark will save us. So let's use the Lord for our benefit. And we see what happened here. Not only were they completely annihilated, but the sons of Eli who treated the, the presence of the Lord as common, they were, they were killed. Yeah, this is intense. People don't talk like this anymore, but I'm lovingly doing it because I feel like it's tri- time that holiness comes back into the church. I really feel it's time that repentance comes back in the church. I feel it's time that we allow correction and the pruning presence of the Lord to overwhelm us I don't want to follow a God that doesn't rebuke me. That's a cheerleader, not a leader. I want someone to pull me out of the pit. I want someone to speak truth to me. I want a God that is a lion. I know he's a lamb, but I love that lion side of Jesus. I want to follow a God like that. I don't want him to pat me on the back when I need to be rebuked. So they treated his presence as common. They tried to muster up emotions. Remember we just read, they started screaming and shouting. It was all emotion, it wasn't real. There was no death in their heart. They were trying to produce something that wasn't there, fester up something. It was fake and it was emotionalism. And you can smell the difference a mile away. We have to know that. I always tell people, when it's the flesh, it's distracting. That's how you know it's the flesh. And yeah, you have to guard the presence of the Lord because it's too holy to be treated as common. Your prayer life is too beautiful to treat it as common. The fact that you get to wake up in the morning and talk to the King of Kings is too holy to treat it as common. I need this too because sometimes I forget that I have the honor to sit in the presence of the Lord and worship Him and read my Bible. And I don't ever want to take that for granted because he's been too faithful to me. He's been too merciful, too good. Oh, I mean, he's so merciful. Sometimes you think about his mercy, it overwhelms you because you think, I'm so undeserving of this Jesus. After all I've done to you, after all the times I've turned my back on you, you still come in my room every morning to meet with me. You watch me as I sleep. The Bible says you stand at the door and knock. What kind of God does that? A merciful, loving Lord. Like I said, they tried to muster up the emotions, but they didn't realize the glory was not with them. Sometimes when we're loud, it's because the glory has left. It's true. Sometimes when we have to produce something I think uh, I was watching it. I wasn't allowed to watch the live stream. I wasn't supposed to when we were on our family trip, but I snuck it in every now and then. Um, 
and I snuck it in on a little drive by myself and I was watching, sorry, I'm repenting right now. Um, I promised my family I wouldn't, I just couldn't help myself. Um, but I remember Mike Bickle was talking about, uh, oh gosh, performance. And I thought, oh dear Jesus, I've done that before. When I feel like I'm not comfortable, I feel like I have to perform and produce. And when you use me the most, like Michael said this morning, I believe, it was, it's when I'm the most at ease. It's when I can rest. It's when I don't care if I look a fool. When I'm just comfortable with who I am in you. And that's when I'm actually a yielded vessel. And we know that he can only use yielded vessels. If you're not yielded, he can't use you. If you try to, try to stand strong, you're standing in your own strength and not his. If you don't take on the weakness and the sorrows that he sometimes allows to come our way, you miss a side of Jesus that you don't see in other places. Let me say that one more time because I think that's important because this is ministered to my heart. When you allow the beautiful sorrows that we walk through as people to make you cling to the cross, you get to reveal, you get a side of Jesus. He reveals a side that you don't get in other places. There's so much beauty in Jesus. There's so much mystery, and I love that mystery. I want to spend my whole life trying to know him deeper and deeper. Amen? But when you muster up the emotions, when he has left, but you try to produce the things, that's a scary place to be. When you think there is a formula to this, you have crossed the line. There's a lot I could say, but I'm not going to say it. But I'll say this. You can't produce the glory of God. You might be able to imitate it. You might be able to fake it. You might even be able to do all those things that seem to work. And you might get the numbers, but that's not what it takes to get the glory. There's no formula. I learned that because we grew up with a dad who saw great things and I realized early on, I have to find my own Jesus. I have to dig in the dirt for my own life. I can't just mimic what I have seen my dad do, Michael do, other leaders do that I respect so much. I can't f get on my knees and cry like Heidi and minister like Heidi if I don't know the Jesus that Heidi knows. I have to know him. Please, do you understand what I'm saying? People ask us that all the time. What's your secret? How have you done it? I can't tell you how many meetings I have had with people where they say, please, what's the secret to your success at Jesus Image? And I say it all the time. There is no secret. It's just Jesus. No, it has to be something else. How do you do this and get the shots you get on the camera and your worshipers? How do they? It's just Jesus. It happened organically in the presence of the Lord. We didn't try to have any of these things. We just wanted him. And through him being so faithful, he blessed us because he's a good father. But if all this went away, guess what? It would still be us and Jesus, and that better be good enough for me. You cannot produce authenticity. You can't fool the people that have been there. 
You might fool the ones that don't know. But the ones that have tasted the glory of the Lord, you can't fool them. Because they have tasted something like there's like nothing else that the world has to offer. And I'm saying this to provoke you to be those kind of people with Jesus. When the elders asked why the Lord allowed the Philistines to defeat them in verse 3, instead of allowing God to correct them and speak to them, they grabbed the ark to take it into the battle. It's vital, my friends, that we allow the holy, amazing work of the Lord to come into our lives and to strip all those things away that don't belong. Sometimes he's looking for repentance and not our works. And here we see that. They could have repented and made it right, but instead they thought, I know what to do. We'll do what worked before, not realizing that God had left them. He was wanting them to come to him. Come to me, all you that are weary. Come to me, and I will give you rest. But instead they said, this will be the formula. We know the way. And Jesus was just so lovingly not even included in that situation. God was left out. They thought they knew what they were doing, but he was looking for a changed heart. It's a heart posture. They thought that would save them, but that destroyed them. What you take lightly, what you build as your idol will be your demise eventually. It's a really scary thing. They tried to hide behind a God they did not value, and they prostituted his glory for their gain. Because of this, God judged them and wiped them out. God is not one we can use in this manner. Oh, Luke, maybe God's speaking to you. Joking. His presence should never be treated as common. Amen? You might say, Jess, how do I not treat his presence as common? He's God. Do you know what that means? He's Lord over your life, as Michael always says. That means he gets to tell you what to do. (laughs) Really? Yes. He gets to tell you where to go, where to live, what to lay down, what dreams to lay down, what to pick up, what to not pick up. He gets to decide that, not us. He's Lord. That means you have complete control of all of my life. Guess what? Your money too. Did you like that? Your money too. That means you have to be obedient when he tells you to sow a seed or whatever it is God is speaking to you. It means every single part of me is not my own. You are the Lord of my life. I give you full permission, God, to do whatever it is. And sometimes he asks you to lay a dream down. But when you lay it down, then he can trust you and he will build you back up as a faithful friend. And you would rather be trusted with that than anything in the world, trust me. What we hold on to, we lose. What we give away, and so he builds it back up because it's firmly planted in, in the presence of God, in God who is unmovable and unshakable. But the things we so tightly hold on to, he said, this, is, this has become an idol to you. And it can even be your ministries. It can be your ministries. Many times it is our ministries because these are not sinful things, these are good things, but anything that takes place in your heart over God has become an idol. 
going to get to it because I'm running out of time. Everyone says they want the glory, but few are willing to pay the price. It will cost you everything. Like Catherine Kuhlman used to say, it will cost you everything, but it's the most rewarding thing in the world. Your life is not your own. You belong to Jesus. Go to 1 Samuel 4. I'm going to start at verse 17 through 22. It says, Israel has been defeated by the Philistines. The messenger replied, the people have been slaughtered and your two sons were also killed. And the ark of God has been captured. When the messenger mentioned what had happened to the ark of God, Eli fell backwards from his seat beside the gate. He broke his neck and died because he was old and overweight. He had been Israel's judge for 40 years. Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and near the time of delivery. When she heard that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth. She died in childbirth, but before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her. Don't be afraid, they said. You have a baby boy. But she did not answer or pay attention to them. She named the child Ichabod, which means where is the glory? For she had said, Israel's glory is gone. She named him this because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and husband were dead. Then she said, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. Just think of that for a moment. Where is the glory? That frightens me in the most holy way. Where is the glory? Where has God gone? Because they tried to use it for their own gain, as we just talked about. And like I said, the crowds might be fooled, but those that have tasted the glory of the Lord, they know when it's departed. You know. You know. Miracles will still happen, but the glory is gone. Signs and wonders still happen, but the glory is gone. And you might say, how is that? Because God's merciful and he loves his children. He still wants to heal and touch people, but you know when there's a fragrance in the air. You know. If you've tasted it before, you know. I'm not saying this because I love our church and I do, but there's a fragrance in the air here. I've tasted it before. I've felt this before. Actually, it's, I don't, it's even greater than I, I think I've ever felt before, but I'm going, we are on the verge of a move of God. Do you believe this? I believe it with all my heart. Maybe that's why the Holy Spirit had me teach on this tonight, because we're not going to cross over if we treat this as common. There's something that happens. That's why tonight's worship was amazing. The team was amazing. You guys were amazing. But it was the unity of the hearts coming together in the room that made the Lord just marked us tonight in his presence. Well, what was that? There were people, they yielded their hearts on the altar tonight. They gave their worship. I mean, Aaron's voice is hurting. Michael's voice is hurting, which is not good. But um, we... You give your body away. Do you know what I mean by this? It's not, I mean, my goodness, if our worship leaders were going, is the camera getting me? Is that the right angle? Let me do this. Let me posture myself this way. That's not the glory of God. That's a formula. 
That's for the people. That's for views. That's for attention. My shoe. It's okay. I won't take my shoes off, guys. Don't worry. But you understand what I'm saying? The Lord marks us when in his presence when everyone comes in one accord. He blesses a house. But often people think it's me. It's me. I'm the one. The reason that the people come is for me. The reason that the views are there, it's mine. The reason that people listen to that message, it's me. So dangerous. So dangerous. And have we all done that before? I'm sure. But the moment you start saying it's me, you better fall on your knees and repent and say, no, Lord, it's you. It's you. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the way I sing, the way I dance. I mean, Amy couldn't even dance tonight. She was on the ground. I love that. Because it's not us. We're just worshiping the Lord. That's it. There's no rhythm to this. There's no rhyme or reason. We're just coming in as hungry children going, Lord, it's you. We're in your presence. I don't know. I want to cry. I want to laugh. I want to clap. I want to dance. I want to jump. I don't know what I want to do. I just know I'm in awe that you're in the room right now. I know that I'm aware that you're here, Jesus, and all I can do is give my body away in this moment, give my voice away in this moment, give my worship away, give my dance away, whatever it is. That's all you can do because there's... There's no words to understand what's going on because no man can understand. It's spirit. It's birthed by the spirit. And what the spirit's birth, what the spirit births, nothing can even comprehend. Our minds don't even have the human capacity to understand, but we're aware when he's here. We're aware. And I don't ever want us to lose that as a church. Because like I said, I feel like greater measure and glory is coming, but we have to take our eyes off of us. You know what I love? I love, and we don't ever count numbers here, just so you know, but I love, I can tell because of the seating that the church grew when we were gone on our vacation. I love that. You know why? Because it just reminds us again, it's not about us at all. Your pastors can be on a road trip with three kids going crazy. And God will build his house. I love it. Because you know why? The, you guys were still going after the one thing, Jesus. So he said, yeah. He multiplies things he can trust. I love it. Not for a moment do I ever, ever want to think it's our ability. To be honest, the more in love I fall with Jesus, the more I realize how unqualified I really am. I'm being completely honest with you, how unworthy I am, how much I don't deserve this. I mean, I I think about it all the time. I look at our team, how it's grown. It scares me, Um, not in a bad way. It's just growing. Everything's just growing. And sometimes I just get completely overwhelmed thinking, Lord, like David would say, who am I? Who is my father's house? We don't deserve this. We, we don't deserve any of this, but you, you, Jesus, have been so faithful, so faithful to us. And may we never forget that it's you that builds the house. It's you that does the work. May we never merchandise it. Amen? In 1 Samuel, you don't have to turn there for sake of time, but I'm going to reference it. In verse 5, 
In chapter five, I should say, when the Philistines took the ark, remember they were struck with tumors and the Philistines didn't know how to handle the ark because it destroyed them. And even those who were not followers of God knew not to touch something they were not qualified to carry. Think of that for a moment. Even those that did not follow God were aware of what they were touching and they said, take it back. But we as Christians sometimes think that we can touch something that we're not qualified to ever touch. In Samuel 6, we see they return it. Because if you aren't qualified to be a carrier of God's presence, don't ever try to touch it. Like Stephanie has always said to our team, the glory of God will either crush you or protect you. We see when Uzzah tries to help God and gets struck down when he touches the ark to steady it. I just want to hit on this for a moment. Remember that story with Uzzah, right? It's a tragedy, of course. We're like, poor, poor guy. He was just trying to help. But they were carrying it in a new way. Remember? They weren't doing it according to the old covenant Before it had poles, remember they were so cautious that they wouldn't even touch it. It was being carried by poles and the priests were the ones that were carrying it. And now they come in and they carry it on an ox cart. And as Michael has said, that speaks of works. Speaks of works. It was a new way of of touching the glory of God and you can't do that. And so then we see Uzzah try to steady it and we see what happens to him. He's killed right there because we cannot try to touch something in a way that God has not commanded us to touch it. There is a way to usher in the presence of the Lord. There is a way to usher in the glory of God. And the moment we come in and go, Lord, I'll help. Let me help. Like Uzo was doing, just trying to help. But the Lord's saying, no, it's not yours. It's mine. I don't need your help. I need you to die. <laughs> I need you to die and to yield. I don't need you to help me carry what belongs to me. We can't help the Lord. We serve him, but he doesn't need our help. All we do is say, here I am. We yield. That's it. It's so simple. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Am I qualified? No. Do I speak perfectly? No. Do I know what to say all the time? No. Do I feel qualified? No. Do I have weaknesses? Yes. But I'm so aware, Lord, that it's you. It's you that I need. And I'm going to come in my weakness. I'm going to come in my struggles. I'm going to come in my disabilities. I'm going to come in whatever it is that you need. And I'm saying, here I am, Lord. Use me. I'm ready. Use me. I'll die to all those things in my life that I don't need. I will repent when I'm wrong. I will do the things that I need to do. I want to die and yield to you every day. Those are the people he can trust, not the most qualified. He often chooses the most unqualified. And I love that about the Lord. Just come in your weakness, your little weakness. Michael knows today I was not feeling qualified to preach tonight. That's why I came in late. I just wanted to be with the Lord and and, and have something to say. And I, I thought, you know, Lord... In my heart, I would be fine if it went another way tonight and I don't even preach, but I was like, if you want to use me, Lord, here I am. Here I am. 
Is it, is it, is it intimidating? Yes. Do I feel vulnerable? Yes. But do I feel that I please his heart when I give myself away? Yes. And that, to me, is worth it every time. Real quick before I finish, look at the life of Saul in 1 Samuel 15. You don't have to turn there. You can if you want. But he was given a direct order from the Lord and was told to destroy the Amalekites and not to take any plunder. Remember this? Saul did not follow the Lord's command. He put his ways in there. And then the Lord told Samuel, I am sorry I ever made Saul king. Listen to this, verse 17 in chapter 15 says, and Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. The reason I felt like I wanted to touch on that because sometimes, and this can happen to me, any of us, insecurities can produce false humility and eventually pride will come in. And that's why this, this passage right here with Samuel saying, stop thinking little of yourself. I'm like, gosh, I bet you that false humility thing got into Saul. That insecurity got away at him. And then that pride typically comes in next. Because when we feel insecure and weak, we typically try to puff ourselves up. And that's what I believe Saul did. Because he did not follow the ways of God. He wasn't obedient fully. Fully. It's always amazed me how Saul, how he wasn't fully obedient and what David did with Bathsheba to me seems way worse than what Saul did by not killing the king and he didn't, he didn't, he took some of the plunder and what David did, killing a man and sleeping with his wife, which to me seemed like a much greater sin. But I, I've said this before and Michael, I think I said it before as well. What was the difference? It was the heart. Saul wanted to be restored in the eyes of the people and David wanted to be restored to the father. It was a heart posture. David was after the heart of God and Saul wanted to be received and esteemed in the eyes of the people. So here we see he was disobedient. And because of that, the Lord said, I am sorry I ever anointed Saul as king. Go to verse 20 through 23 of 1 Samuel chapter 15. It says, but I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back the king, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing, listen to this, to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Do I need to say that again? And stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Ouch. Do you ever just think of when Samuel was telling that to Saul? Like, whoa, he didn't hold back. He spoke truth. And you might say the punishment just seems so, so severe. Yes, because the price was so great. Yes. 
To much is given, much is required, right? He was trusted with much, so he lost much. And you might say, I want to be trusted with, with the nations. I want to be trusted. I want to do this. Okay, are you willing to pay the price? Because if you turn your back on the Lord and walk away, the punishment for you is much more severe than someone that has never tasted the glory of the Lord. These are just facts. You might say, this is rough. No, this is love. This is love. Because if God has trusted you with his presence, if he has revealed himself to you, and I can say that I hope you guys have all tasted that privately because knowing him privately is much more important than knowing him corporately. Even though knowing him corporately is so beautiful, we need each other. There's something so holy about the gathering of saints. But when you've tasted and when you've seen the goodness of God, when you see people get healed and saved, and then you just throw it all away, well, the punishment's going to be more severe. So know what you're saying yes to before you get into it. We had a worship retreat a few days ago with our worship team. It was beautiful. They went to Disney Springs. I, in a smart way, did not go. It seemed like torture hot and people everywhere. But when my dad was ministering to them, he said to them, he said to our worshipers, the greater the glory, the greater the judgment. And that just stuck with us because he really wanted us to get it. You know, he's seen a lot. That's why I love having these fathers and mothers like Pastor Ron and Miss Sandy and these amazing voices that have come and poured into us because they've seen it. They've seen how easily people can go the other way. They quit when life gets rough. They fall into sin. They, they turn away. Their families are destroyed. And he's saying, gosh, now that you've said yes, there's no turning back. Now that you're trusted with the people, now that you're trusted to worship a congregation, this is what he was basically telling our team, there's no turning back. You've tasted the glory of God. The judgment will be more severe if you turn your back on it. And we as a church have tasted the glory of God. I think not all, no, no, we haven't seen everything, but man, it, it scares me if we ever turn our back on it and just treat it as common. Leslie, you're over at ministry school. It blows my mind, people that were burning, on fire, having encounters in front of us, and I see them years later not even serving the Lord. Not even, not, not even fellowshipping with Jesus. Nothing, they want nothing to do with Christianity anymore. And it breaks my heart because I think they, they were in the presence of God. How could you turn away from that when you've tasted it? It's because the pollution comes in. The heart gets tainted. It could be so many things that get in the way. But our, our hearts get polluted, and we need to pray to the Lord for pure hearts to return to the church. Amen? I'm just going to read this to you. You don't have to turn there. Psalm 78, 58 through 61 says, They angered God by building shrines to other gods. They made him jealous of their idols. When God heard them, he was very angry, and he completely rejected Israel. Then he abandoned his dwelling at Shiloh, 
the tabernacle where he had lived among the people. He allowed the ark of his might, listen to this, to be captured. He surrendered his glory into enemy hands. That got me when I read it. I thought, I actually wrote in my notes with like exclamation marks, he allowed it. Like he, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords allowed it because why there was so much sin among the camp. As we know, Eli's sons were sleeping with women in, in the sanctuary. He's too holy for sin. He's too holy to look upon sin. Do we all sin? Yes. But a heart that doesn't repent has allowed sin to take root in their life. We all fall down. We all get up. We all sin. We bring it to the Lord. Repentance is needed in the church again. And like Michael, I believe, said this morning, I'm not even, the world, yeah, it, it scares me. Of course, there's so much darkness in the world. But I'm more scared for the state of the church right now. Just to be very honest, this is just me talking. I'm scared when I see the church now turning against each other. I'm scared when I see the church now turning against shepherds. I'm scared when I see the church fighting one another and, and questioning the holy word of God, like Michael talked about this morning. That, to me, is a bigger shock than the world being dark because we are supposed to be the light. We are the ones that are supposed to stand together Love one another, it's a great command. And to me, that's what baffles me more than anything. It's that it's like a one body. If my kidney's fighting against my heart, something's gonna go wrong in my body. We're one body, the body of Christ. And when we fight against one another, the devil wins. The devil wins, that's what he wants. He wants us to fight against each other. He wants to divide us. He wants us to attack one another because ultimately that's going to weaken the word of the Lord. It's going to weaken his holy word when we don't stand strong together on what this is. This is everything. This is what we base our life on. We went to the Billy Graham Foundation when we were on our trip and he there told a story it was just a really amazing experience. If you ever get the chance, I think you should go. It's amazing. But how his friend became an atheist and started to debate Billy Graham about how God isn't real. And, and Billy Graham went into a forest and just prayed out to God and said, I don't understand everything in your word, Lord, but I know you to be true. And that is what he built his life on. That's what he built his life on. And that gives longevity. That gives longevity, not works. Works have a life shelf. They'll eventually expire. There might be hype, there might be attention. If it's not built on the foundation of God, eventually it's gonna go away. I promise you that. If we're not built on the foundation of God, Jesus' image is gonna go away. You won't see us in 10 years from now. We'll just be like another, you know, like a cycling church, you know? Here today, gone tomorrow. But if we build our foundation on God, there is longevity and protection in that. That and that alone. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that we can lean on these days is Him. I'm going to close with this. Psalm 85, 9. 
I'm just going to read it. It says, surely his salvation is near to those who fear him, so our land will be filled with his glory. If you don't fear the Lord, you are not going to know how to enter into the glory of the Lord. You will treat the glory as common if you don't walk in fear of the Lord. And if there is one thing that I feel like the body of Christ needs right now is the fear of the Lord again. We don't fear the Lord. Why do we do the things we do? It's because we don't fear the Lord. So if you want to know his glory, fear the Lord. I don't want to treat him as common, Jess. I'm going to tell you, fear the Lord. I don't want to mess up in my marriage. Fear the Lord. I don't want to mess up with my finances. Fear the Lord. I don't want to mess up as a leader. Fear the Lord. I don't want to mess up as a follower of Jesus. Fear the, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. That's the protection you need in life. Fear him. Because if you fear him, you'll walk in reverence. You'll walk in reverence. You'll, you'll be so aware that it's not you. It's Jesus. And when you fear him, that means you love him. It's holy to fear the Lord. Can I say that again? It's holy to fear the Lord. When you don't fear the Lord, it's easy to make it all about yourself. And then you do touch the glory because you take credit for what he's done. Fear of the Lord says, don't look at me, look to him. Self says, look to me, look at me. Here's my name. Here's me, 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 me. Oh, how we can. Please don't do that. Please don't do that to Jesus. I've done it. But he's too holy to do that, too. He's too worthy. He's, he's not in your life so you can be famous. He's not in your life so that you can be known. He's not in your life so that you can have money and riches and favor. He's in your life to be your friend. He's in your life to know you. He's in your life to fellowship with you. He's in your life to commune with you. Not so you can use him like a slot machine and get what you want when you want it. And this isn't a rebuke. I've just seen this happen too much in my life. And when you love Jesus, you don't want to see people use him like that. Because you're aware that it hurts his heart. Because as the Bible teaches us, he has feelings. The Holy Spirit is a person. We know this. He's sensitive. And when we merchandise what he's trusted us with, that's taking advantage of the most holy one in the world. And I don't want to do that to him. And if I ever have, I want to always repent because we all have this thing in us that wants to be loved. It's not bad. But we, it's human nature to want to be received. It's human nature to want to be edified. But the lowly ones say, don't look at me, look at Jesus. It's not me, it's him. He's the one, he's the star, he's the lamb. He's the lion of Judah, he's the king of kings. It's not us, it's you. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can like and subscribe to help us continue to reach people around the world with the gospel. Give today at jesusimage.tv forward slash give. You can also join us in person or online every Sunday at Jesus Image Church. For more information on Jesus Image, events, Jesus School, and resources, visit jesusimage.tv.